0: Destination Draft Day, Michael Rockman here joined by Joe Calabrese. We got Nick Durst coming in in a little bit. So if you're a big fan of him, you know, just hold tight. He'll be here soon. Today we are talking about the AFC East. We're going to talk about all things in terms of schedule, depth chart, some potential expectations for each team, some potential reasons for why they may fail. And really, you know, we're going to be talking about all four teams for most of this episode. We'll be talking about all things AFC East football. So if you had anything in the comment section, Regarding any of the four teams, let us know. If you have anything that could potentially be a prediction or anything else, let us know as well. Joe, how are you doing on this Monday?
1: I am good. As you can see, I am not wearing anything Jets related, but I am wearing something Knicks related. So uh, it is a very, very good day. Uh, I'm excited about the Knicks. Uh, I will be excited or as excited as I possibly could be. Uh, to talk about the Jets draft class, uh, obviously we'll break down everything else in the AFC East. Uh, schedules came out last week, uh, even though we uh, we've we've reached the stage where the the schedule release is kind of how like the NFL draft works, where everything is kind of spoiled uh, systematically uh, on Twitter throughout the course of the day or throughout the course of the night. So uh, not too many surprises, but uh, there are a couple of games on the Jets schedule that you are to gonna, gonna have to circle in. And now with the new 17-game schedule, we'll break down how irritating it's going to be where we're not going to have any more 500 teams. But uh, I'm excited. Let's go.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, congratulations to you and the Knicks. Of course, a really surprise season. And looking at this AFC East, you know, I'm sure some of those Knicks fans are kind of hoping that New York momentum carries over for the Jets. Greg Sala, or Robert Sala, sorry, now in position to really lead this team. And we saw it with San Francisco, plenty of great games where maybe the defense was decimated with injuries and they were tight in these contests, this AFC East division, which has been kind of mocked for so long now has some very good coaches in place. Some teams that are definitely building up in the right direction. You can never count out the Patriots. The Dolphins have taken major strides. The Bills just made it to the AFC championship last year. And now the Jets finally get their franchise quarterback, a great coach and really <laughs> putting into place or the pieces in place. What are your thoughts so far on just the AFC East as a whole in terms of where it ranks with the other divisions?
1: So we hope, right. Uh, they yeah. said the same thing about Sam Darnold. Uh, so, but let's put things into perspective. I think last year, both the Bills uh, and the Dolphins, we could acknowledge those teams as good teams. I think the Bills are, are one of the few like great teams right now in the NFL who I think you can consider a true contender. The Patriots had a down year, but I think that was more because of players opting out. Obviously, when you lose Tom Brady and he goes and does his thing and wins another Super Bowl, you know that's kind of hard to replace. Uh the Jets did not have a great year last year, but collectively speaking, the AFC East as a whole uh, is getting better. Uh, I think the division as a whole will actually be better than it was last year. And last year, they were pretty good. Not great. You know, there were divisions out there that were better. Uh, but when we look at the depth, uh, the what each team uh, accomplished last year, uh, and what the what what each team added this year, especially in, in their draft classes. Uh, you touched on the Jets draft class. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, Patriots lost Tom Brady, didn't really have a solution, at quarterback last year. They had both Cam Newton, who I thought pretty under the circumstances, especially with the shoulder injury and stuff, I think he played as well as he could have. I definitely think had that team – been totally healthy and and everybody opted in to play and Belichick kind of had a little more of a a full army at his disposal, I definitely think they could have finished two or three wins better than they did. So I think a lot of the what the Patriots dealt with last year was very circumstantial. Uh, I don't consider it a knock against Belichick or the program that they're running there at all. Uh, Flores in Miami was one of the coaches of the year last year, as was Sean McDermott in Buffalo. So you're hundred percent right. The the coaching depth, I think in this division, you could say if Salah gets the Jets on track very early, kind of like what Joe Judge did with the Giants last year, uh, didn't necessarily see it translate as to, uh, to as many wins as there could have been, but you definitely saw a, a directional an organizational shift with the Giants. And I think that's what Jets fans are, are kind of hoping for now. Uh, I think if the Jets, I, I can't see them being kind of like an, like an eight or nine win team, but I think if they're a super competitive team that could win five or six or seven games, uh, which I think is very possible given the circumstances that might be your worst team in your division, because you might have three playoff teams coming out of this division. So uh, but yeah, everything regarding the AFC East, I think it is on its way up. And, uh, I think you're hundred percent right in saying that the coaching, uh, of the four teams is probably one of, if not the strongest division in the NFL, uh, based on what we've seen from Sal in San Francisco, hopefully it translates from a, a good defensive coordinator into a good head coach.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, you kind of mentioned already for the expectation, Of the Jets, I think it's important that fans out there realize, you know, look look at the team like Carolina last year where maybe they weren't expected to win many games. And Rule, Brady, all that together really combined them to where they were able to move up to a competitive team in a lot of games where their defense was almost entirely rookies. Their offense was very you know, questionable in terms of quarterback play in terms of health and durability of a lot of their players. Even when McCaffrey was out for as long as he was, the Panthers were competing in games. And I think that's what the jets will try to do this year. Maybe not every game they're going to come out and compete, but I think there's plenty of games where they can come out and really show themselves. And then there's going to be games where they play a team that, you know, a lot of people are saying, Oh, that's an easy win for maybe the bills or, for the saints or for the bucks or something like that. And the jets are going to be in there and really competing and making it a closer game than a lot of people expect. Personally, for me, I have them in that four to six win range, and I don't think that's disrespect to, you know, Sala or Wilson or anything. I think it's just a young team right now, and I do like the acquisitions of Corey Davis. I think Elijah Moore is going to be a stud, but there's still plenty of work to get done. I think the interior offensive line could still use some help, even though Vera Tucker is a great prospect. I think year one, a lot of interior offensive linemen can have their issues, Uh, You look at the defensive side, I think cornerback is still a major need. The safety situation kind of has to get figured out because Marcus May seems a little (laughs) upset with the organization still. Linebacker play, you know, it kind of depends on what Mosley does coming back from what has been a strange situation to say the least. And then that defensive line, I trust. I think Saul is going to make it an absolute dominant force. And I think that's going to be huge for the defense. But I think there's still a lot of growing pains that will happen in year one. But that year two Jets, Outlook is is scary, and especially if Zach Wilson takes the proper steps.
1: Yeah, so we'll we'll break this down. Uh, we'll go pick by pick here. I'll I'll, re- I'll represent the Jets fans here. Uh, <laughs> Zach Wilson. Every year, there's a riser, right? It, it happens every year in the draft, and, and this year uh, we were we were faced with a scenario where uh, the number two pick wasn't really decided on. I think really, truthfully, until the final quarter poll of the season. I think that is when a lot of people started recognizing Zach Wilson as the standout guy behind Trevor Lawrence. So the Jets did not end up with the worst record. They did not end up with Trevor Lawrence. That was the Jaguars. Uh, I am a huge fan right now of what Joe Douglas has been able to accomplish because I think when we look at the past number of of Jets general managers, I think the two things that we've kind of seen – is number one kind of misallocating the cap, a uh, lot of splurgy type of free agent signings, trying to to mask deficiencies on the roster. Uh, you did not see that with Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas came in here from day one and he had a mission, which was to properly, you know, professionally tear down the roster, clear the cap, start fresh. Uh, so I think from that from that perspective, point one, he's been a success. Uh, He's given this team a lot of flexibility. And number two, uh, most general managers uh, have had very, very, very shaky drafts. Now, the Jets, over the course of the years, they've had on a couple of picks. They've had a couple of really good draft picks. Uh, And now that you see the success that Leonard Williams has had since he was traded to the Giants, uh, that pick kind of looks a little bit better in hindsight. Uh, He was a top 10 pick. But uh, we had questions with, with Quinn and Williams coming out of Alabama he was not good as a rookie and a lot of and injuries and I think uh, adjusting to the NFL kind of had something to do with that but he had a really good year last year uh was was it spectacular you know by all means no but uh he definitely took a really nice step forward and I think he's going to be the player I think that benefits the most from Sal coming in here but you know back to Douglas uh by those two accounts right the the cap and the draft I, I think in his period of time that he's been here, which it hasn't been long, but, uh, I think he's been a, a huge success. I think he had a really solid first draft. Uh, but I think this draft is going to be what he is remembered for the most now back to Wilson. He was the high riser, but if he caught Joe Douglas's eye and a lot of people, especially in NFL circles, uh, from people that I know who, who have worked in with the NFL and who, who talk to people, especially insiders around the NFL. Uh, A lot of talent evaluators uh, really, really like Zach Wilson. They believe his mobility is going to be a huge strength at the next level. Uh, Kind of like what people were saying about Sam Darnold. Uh, He can make all the throws, uh, but he just has like that moxie. A lot of people like uh, his natural ability. He's still a little bit raw, I think, uh, but The biggest difference between what the Jets had with Sam Darnold and what the Jets are going to have with Zach Wilson is the ability to protect him. Now, Joe Douglas, his first draft pick was Mikhail Becton, who is hopefully going to be the franchise left tackle that you need uh, for the next 10 years. Uh, You mentioned Vera Tucker. They took an interior offensive lineman out of USC with their second pick and they traded up to do so. But the, the, the prevailing sentiment here is that Joe Douglas is like, you know something? I am going to build this wall on the left side of my offensive line, and I am going to send my rookie quarterback in there from day one, and he's not going to have to worry about his blind side. So uh, we'll see how Vera Tucker translates. A lot of people like him. Uh, he was consensus, one of the, the one or two best interior offensive linemen in the draft. So uh, a lot of people were really, really happy with that pick. Uh, you mentioned Elijah Moore. The Jets have not really had a great history when it comes to receivers in the second round. Uh, you look at Stephen Hill, who was a huge bust. Devin Smith was projected as a solid vertical threat coming out of Ohio State. Never could stay healthy. Never could stay on the field. That didn't really work out. Uh, but I think uh, I think Elijah Moore has a lot more talent than the, those two guys had. And had he gone in the la- the latter half of the first round, you know, from maybe pick twenty four or twenty five on, you know, a lot of people wouldn't have even batted an eyelash. You know, that was kind of like the appropriate spot for him. And I think the Jets uh, have a legitimate, legitimate playmaker on offense that they could put next to Corey Davis. Uh Corey Davis was the fifth overall pick from the Titans a couple of years ago. While he was never great in Tennessee, he was really kind of starting to come on here the last season and a half. And I think a lot of that was because he had AJ Brown playing opposite him. And I think. Both of those guys ended up meshing well, really, together on the field. So, uh, what you're seeing with Douglas here is, you know, another move that they mirrored in Philly uh, a couple of years ago. The Eagles signed Alshon Jeffrey as a free agent, and while a lot of people tended to question that move, uh, while a lot of people definitely never really saw Jeffrey as a top ten receiver, uh, he was very instrumental on that team that ended up winning the Super Bowl. So, a lot of what you're seeing Douglas doing here is kind of what he was doing with the Eagles, kind of the, the, the similar is in place. Uh, and I do like the, the the Jets' death draft picks that they, they took as well. Uh, they took Michael Carter running back out of North Carolina in the fourth round. Uh, I think as a playmaker, uh, that's exactly kind of what you want in those middle rounds. Uh, he's got some ability, and I think he definitely adds another offensive weapon uh, to the Jets' repertoire. Uh, and they took another Michael Carter, uh, cornerback out of Duke. I believe they took him in the fifth round. I forgot what pick, but, uh, two Michael Carters, hopefully one of them pans out, but I I did like his game at at Duke too. So when you look at the, the overall body of work that Joe Douglas has been working with so far, and I know I kind of ranted here, but I kind of want to, to represent Jets fans here. Uh, this has the potential to be a really, really solid draft class. If they could hit on three or four of these guys that's exactly what they need with all the cap space that they have, with all the changes that they've made in place. It, it seems finally uh, that there is not only guys at the top who know what they're doing, but there's a skeleton in place that the, the Jets really haven't had. I think since the Mike Tannenbaum and Rex Ryan years and, and the difference between those teams and, and this one now is those teams kind of didn't really start from the ground up. They kind of took over uh, what Mangini and Favre did, and they thought they were contenders. And for those two years, they went to the AFC championship game. This is more, uh, you know, bottom up, uh, but the foundation to build something that can sustain and and last for three, four, five years and give you a couple of playoff trips and maybe hopefully one or two cracks at a Super Uh, I think most importantly, that's what we're seeing here for the Jets.
0: Absolutely. And you know, you talk about Michael Carter, and really those first four picks for the Jets, I think were absolutely great selections. Barrett Tucker should be a long-term starter on that offensive line. Wilson should be a very good QB at the very least. I think he's someone that maybe isn't ever going to be the superstar type, but in a San Francisco style offense, I don't think that's absolutely a necessity. I think it's something that as long as they get the job done, a lot of it's going to come easier, and he definitely has the arm talent to where he's not going to hold the team back from winning that big game. You look at kind of like the Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. Baker's a great QB. While he's maybe not one of the, you know, top three, top five QBs in the NFL, I think there's still plenty of talent there where Cleveland could absolutely contend. And I think Wilson's going to be very similar in that regard. You know, adding to that run game, I think is huge. And getting Michael Carter and Tevin Coleman in this offseason, I think is going to really help out that running back room. The wide receiver room, I wonder about Elijah Moore's first year impact, just because if Jameson Crowder sticks around, if Corey Davis and Denzel Mims take the outside, we can see more getting a kind of rotational type role at first and then kind of coming on. And I think that we could maybe see, you know, a a disappointing first year for like some fantasy gurus who are thinking Elijah Moore is going to just break out this year. But long term, I really love Elijah Moore. And I think that he's going to be a stud for this team. Really, you know, we kind of talked about it already but the big question mark is just that secondary and what happens there with those corners. Can Jason, Jason Pinnock late round pick in this year's draft really step up and become a key contributor and potentially get a job starting there. Uh, Michael, Michael Carter from Duke had some cornerback experience. He's also a safety. He'll be moving around in that backfield. They had some other safeties drafted that'll most likely be playing in a linebacker type role right. um, with Jamie Sherwood and Homs and Dean. So, you know, there's plenty of options out there, I think, in terms of just picks that they may potentially contribute to this roster. But for those first four picks, really, I, I have a hard time thinking of how I would have drawn it up any better for the Jets, and I, I really commend what Joe Douglas did, and I'm really excited to see what they do now with gang green.
1: Yeah, definitely cornerback is still their uh, their biggest need, you you could say. Uh, they're very deep at safety, I think. I, think, I definitely think uh like i said there's a there's a sound structured plan in place uh and i think ultimately what you're going to see is um so when the 49ers built that defense um they kind of did the the similar things drafted they loaded up on the defensive line which is something that the jets uh, luckily already had they had pretty good defensive line depth last year uh drafted linebackers drafted safeties and then their solution at corner here for the last couple of years was they ended up bringing Richard Sherman in kind of as like the veteran to to be the glue guy and it, it seemed to have worked um and you kind of saw that with the eagles too uh one of the most instrumental pieces i think on that super bowl run was malcolm jenkins right and uh very similar uh kind of like a veteran leading the way uh, a lot of younger defensive backs were on that team uh but but clearly douglas always has a plan for what he wants to do with the secondary so i think eventually um that's going to sort itself out uh, yeah and kind of to kind of break away here from the the jets talking point i want to talk about baker because i talk about this with nick on our show uh and this was probably prevalent prevalent in this draft because you saw so many quarterbacks going in the first round the objective now when you take a quarterback high is obviously if you land a top five guy you know that's really pretty spectacular but from what we've seen over the last couple of years how many guys were drafted really high who broke into that that top five for that period of time not many guys right the top five has still consistently been Brady Aaron Rodgers Russell Wilson uh you've seen Lamar Jackson kind of Break into there, you know, for a cup of coffee. A lot of people still consider there. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is, is definitely there. Uh, outside of all the legal problems, you could have probably put maybe Deshaun Watson in there, you know, but outside of that, there have been a lot of quarterbacks taken in the first round. Goff, I don't think he's hit that status. Wentz, he's on his second team now, as is Goff, right? Um, you know, Winston and, and Mariota kind of fla- Well, I wouldn't say floundering, but, you know, they're on their, they're, Second teams, respectively, you know, haven't really had that level of success. Uh, You look at guys like Baker Mayfield. I don't think Baker Mayfield is a top five prospect of a player who could be that. Um, Josh Allen, I think, could break into that mold. Nick and I really like him. Uh, You saw Justin Herbert kind of have a really spectacular rookie season. But, you know, more often than not, when you're taking a quarterback high, essentially what you're looking for is really good, sound competence at the position. And I think when you see a team like the dolphins who took two a, uh top five last year, their mindset is we already have a really good defense in place. We have a really great head coach who can get the most out of this offensive talent. If we can take a quarterback high and he's here for eight to 10 years and he doesn't kill us. And he throws for 3,500 every yards every year. Maybe he touches 4,000. We give him the keys to the Ferrari. Don't crash it. Don't crash the car. That's essentially what you're looking for when you're taking a quarterback high. Um, and if you get lucky and that guy ends up being a top five guy, you know, that's, you know, pretty good, you know, bonus on top of it. Uh, but when you're looking for quarterback play these days, I think the Browns are are, are the team that has it, you know, and the bills again with Josh Allen, those are the two teams I think right now that, that have it, you know, pretty well figured out. You take the quarterback high. If he gives you top five production, that's a bonus. But you take a top five or a top ten guy with some talent, you give him an offensive line, you give him a sound running game, or you give him enough weapons to succeed. In the Bills case, they needed to give Josh Allen some big help. So what did they do? They traded for Stefan Diggs last offseason. And you know what he did? He was only the best receiver in the NFL last year, I think. One of the best route runners consistently in Minnesota last year. I think he took a really huge step forward and became a really, you know, true upper echelon receiver. You know, with Cleveland, um, they traded for Odell Beckham, but it was definitely Nick Chubb who who helps the offense a little bit more. Both teams have really sound offensive lines. Both teams have good defenses. Uh, Nick, I think, would argue that Josh Allen is a top-five quarterback. Uh, I think I need to see it for one more season before I would put him in that category. But when you look at those two teams, uh, those two teams have it pretty figured out, right? So I think that's what you're looking at when you see the Jets take Zach Wilson. You took the when you saw the 49ers take Trey Lance, uh, when you saw the Patriots take Mac Jones. I I think you're just looking for sound competence at the position more so than thinking like you're buying a lottery ticket and you have uh, you're gonna hit you know big.
0: Yeah, I think I'd agree with you. A lot of QB evaluation is just how well they can step in and really get the job done. A lot of these teams are very trustworthy in the fact that they can build a good enough team as long as the QB can maintain what there's what success they've built with the rest of this roster. And that's why, you know, we see guys like Jared Goff and Joe Burrow, maybe not have the most dominant physical traits, but they're just sound smart players. And that helps drive their stock up entirely. And, you know, Now, Joe Burrow, obviously, there's questions about the Bengals' offensive line, whatever, but, you know, you get that QB in place, and when you have that opportunity to take someone like that, there's definitely a great chance to find success, and, you know, operating under a rookie contract for the QB position is absolutely huge. So, for the Jets, you know, that season opener against the Panthers (laughs) is going to be one that, you know, maybe isn't the biggest game in terms of team talent, but it's one that's going to have a lot of Fun narratives with Sam Darnold being on the opposite side, working with Joe Brady in a new opportunity, which could be good for him, versus the Jets and his old former team. While it's not the same coach, while you know, some of this team has been changed up because of a spending off season. What do you expect to see from the Jets in week one? And what do you hope to see over the course of the season from this team as they, you know, are in a build up year?
1: I expect Sam Darnold to throw for 320 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Um, that is going to be uh it's going to be a bit of sweet game, I think, because I I personally think the, the market for quarterbacks in the offseason was uh it, it dried up. Uh, I think the, the Rams pounced on the opportunity to upgrade from Goff to Stafford and I definitely do think there's an upgrade there. I know Nick kind of disagrees with me a little bit here but um from from a pure value perspective and a talent perspective I do think there is a, a one step a leap from from Goff to Stafford. Uh but when that trade happened, I think that was like the move of the offseason and I think it, it like the, the the market was only not plummeting, but it was only going to go down from there and I think the Jets kind of got caught a little bit where, you know, they weren't really able to get full market value for Darnold. I, I even think uh, in the case of the Carson Wentz, you know, I think the Colts got a pretty good deal with him. Uh, but the Jets definitely needed to move on. It, it was something that I think was beneficial for both parties. Uh, and, again, it was – again, when I, when I mentioned the, the salary cap before – The fair point here with the Jets and Sam Darnold is, were you going to pick up his option? Were you going to keep him around and tag him and then wait it out and see if you want to give him a contract extension? As much as I personally believe in Sam Darnold's ability, and as much as I personally think he's going to be a really good fit with Matt Rule and Joe Brady and Carolina. And I think he's going to have some of his best seasons of his career coming up here in the next two to three seasons. From an organizational perspective, I I simply think the Jets just couldn't give him the money. They just couldn't do it. I don't think he showed enough as much as I think he showed flashes. I don't think he showed quite enough to warrant getting the money. I think the, the comparison here is where the Dolphins were with Ryan Tannehill. I think Tannehill definitely showed flashes of talent in Miami. And I definitely think he had a bunch of really good games, but from where they were from an organizational perspective, they just, they simply couldn't have him around. They needed to, to have that, that fresh uh, foundational start. And I think it worked to the benefit of the dolphins. And I sure as hell think it worked to the, the benefit of the Titans, because I think the Titans from where they were, uh, I think that that was a the perfect fit. I think it was a, a total match made in heaven. Uh, ended up getting Tannehill more as a bargain because I think he went for like a fourth round draft pick. But uh, Darnold got a second round draft pick, and and I think the the value of the talented quarterback who has shown something hasn't quite shown enough. Uh, I think the value for that guy is always a second and something else, whether it's a conditional pick, conditional third, conditional fourth. Uh, in this case, the value was kind of a little bit less, but it's always just a second and something else. And um, I think the the, the the marriage had to end. Uh, I think the Jets needed to move on, and and now they end up having Zach Wilson, and they, they hit the reset button. Have him on his rookie contract. Uh, you can start fresh from an evaluation perspective. Uh, I think the Panthers last year looked really good with Teddy Bridgewater under center but Bridgewater himself and a lot of people would would say this there are limitations of what you can do with Bridgewater on his own can he hold the fort down and can he put up stats and can he be a solid option sure uh, is he capable of making the playoffs sure you know we saw it with Minnesota you know he did take them to the playoffs once but is there a ceiling on what Bridgewater can do and i think a lot of people would say yes. And I think Carolina made that determination as well. I don't think Darnold necessarily has those questions yet. I think a lot of people still see Sam Darnold as a good option. I think they see his ceiling as somebody um, who can get you to the playoffs and get you through the playoffs, right? So I think Carolina is rolling the dice a little bit, sure. But I think the ceiling of Darnold in Carolina was higher than it was going to be with Bridgewater, with Carolina. And I think the coaching staff uh, and the general manager there kind of acknowledge that fact, right? So uh, I think it's a great fit. I think he's got a ton to work with. They're going to bring DJ Moore back. Christian McCaffrey is going to be healthy. They have some depth there, receiver, some good depth at receiver. And I think personally, Joe Brady is one of the brightest offensive minds in the NFL. I thought he was one of the brightest minds in college. I thought the transition last year was pretty seamless. I think that Panthers offense, despite everything that happened, looked really good. Brady's going to be the hot offensive coordinator this year. He's going to be the guy who halfway through the season, everybody's going to say, where's Joe Brady going as a head coach? It's only a matter of time. Uh, But yeah, that week one game for the Jets is going to be very difficult. I think it's a tough matchup for them right out of the gate. I like that Carolina team. I think they're going to compete for a playoff spot this season. And I think a lot of that is going to be just guys getting healthy and Darnold being able to, to play with, you know, a, a lot of talent uh, and, and more structure than he had with the Jets for the first time in his career.
0: Absolutely. And we got to bring in Nick Durst, who's finally arrived. Hello, Nick. How are you? There you go.
1: Fashionably
2: late,
0: as always. Well, not, I'm not really fashionably
2: late, just, you know, work yeah. comes first. But, you know, I, I like that Joe is acknowledging his fellow Joe, Joe Brady, because pretty soon Joe Brady's going to be another Joe, his other guy, Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. Yeah. But, uh, Sam Donald experiment. Don't know how it's going to work out. I'm projecting that next year on this show, we'll be talking about the new Panthers quarterback that they drafted in the top 10 of the draft. That's my prediction for Sam Donald. He's not going to be the head of the table for long in, in Carolina.
0: <laughs> I'm telling you, if uh, if the Panthers are indeed in that QB market, they're going to be high on Sam Howell, the kid from North Carolina. I think a lot they of fans be. are going to be one that very badly to where Carolina keeps the hometown product. But looking at the jets already, we now have some other teams that we got to address. I think one of the big teams that, you know, Nick loves talking about the Buffalo bills have really put themselves in a position to contend year after year with Josh Allen's great development, Brian dabble back for another year. I think he's absolutely huge, but you know, in this offseason they really, didn't make a bunch of huge splashes. They mostly retained a lot of their players in the draft. They kind of dipped into one position multiple times. That's a big defensive end spot with Gregory Russo, Carlos Basham. You know, there's just so many pieces that should help out this defensive line. But really, I just want to get what you guys think is to be seen in in this new year for Josh Allen with another year on top and also just what the Bills can do to build on to – what was already a great stride season last year.
2: Yeah, I mean, right now, I mean Patrick Mahomes, he's the tribal chiefs. So everyone's trying to knock him, you know, off the off the head of the table here. So the Bills are very close. We discussed this the other day with the Bills and the Browns, but love Josh Allen. I wouldn't be surprised if he wins MVP this year. I think it's only a matter of time here. And I love that they took the defensive ends because they're building their team for one game, and you know, that's the AFC championship game. And their idea is we saw the Super Bowl. Mahomes got beat because of the defensive ends. We played them two weeks before. We couldn't stop them. We couldn't get to them. So I like that they were going for the defensive ends there because, Joe, if you look at them offensively, nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. This team is a high-powered offense. We saw when they just destroyed the Cowboys. And all year they were putting up massive amount of points.
1: Yeah. Before you hopped on, before uh, we were talking the the strongest organizations and the Bills and the Browns are the two teams that I talked about specifically because sound quarterback, sound weapons on offense, good lines, a lot of organizational depth. When you talk about the Buffalo Bills, I think they are, from a talent perspective, I would put them in the top five uh, in the NFL when it comes to organizational depth. But the one thing that they did not have is what Nick was 100% spot on with, Uh, while they have some talent up front, they have that Oliver, they had Hughes, uh, they simply just could not get to Mahomes quite enough. And and I definitely do think that the offensive line injuries heading into the Super Bowl definitely benefited Tampa Bay a little bit. Uh, The Chiefs were slightly healthier for that AFC championship game, but Nick is 100% right. From right now, the Bills are thinking, okay, We won our first playoff game against the Colts. We won our second game against the Ravens. Those are two really good teams uh, that have a a documented history here over the course of the last 10 to 15 years of being able to win playoff games. The Bills were able to do that basically uh, in their second year on the rise with the, the McDermott, Josh Allen core that they have in place. So they're thinking if we got to one AFC championship game, you know, we'll be able to get back there, you know, a couple more times here over the course of the next couple of years. And, uh, who knows, maybe the chiefs won't be there. You know, I think they they definitely were really, really hurting on the offensive line and, um, they could not stay healthy. It's very, very hard to stay healthy in the NFL year to year. You just simply don't know what's going to happen. Uh, you don't know who's going to go where, who's going to get hurt. I think I mean, the 49ers, people, 49ers last year. Yeah, absolutely. The 49ers went to the Super Bowl, and then last year they dealt with Bosa, an injury early in the season, a bunch Garoppolo, of, yeah. yeah, Garoppolo was hurt. Their defensive line was basically in shambles by the time the middle of the season rolled around, but uh, you're hundred percent right. The bills are loading up for one game. Uh, but it's more than that though, because you, like, I don't want to, again, uh, right. Basically gloss over their depth. They are one of the deepest organizations wow. in the NFL. They are a talent factory now. A lot of that – Let's keep team in team mind,
2: team. that Michael, their window to win is this year or next when Allen's on that rookie deal because right. he's getting paid. He's going to be he's the highest-paid quarterback in the league. Uh, well, Maybe maybe they won't reach Mahomes all, but he's going to get paid more money than Dak Prescott, that's for sure.
1: Absolutely. But they also have one of the strongest general managers in the NFL, and eventually they're going to have to deal with uh, Brian Dayball getting another job because he will be like Joe Brady. You know, those those two guys, I think in particular – are going to be the two hottest names by the, the time we get to midseason and you start to see maybe a firing here, a firing there. Uh, they're eventually going to have to deal with his loss, but uh, right. from a from a, a structure perspective, I think they'll be well-equipped to, to, to handle that when it does happen. Uh, but, yeah, Nick well, is so, right. But but the thing with the Bills this year
2: is like – you know, to be the man, you got to beat the man. So they got to be Patrick Mahomes. And that's how the same story for the grounds. They got to be Patrick Mahomes. and That's how they can get to the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, I think the AFC mindset is all, can we beat the Chiefs? And really a lot of teams are trying to build themselves up to where they can. And some teams are going to have that issue where they're saying, you know, I don't think we can. And maybe they aren't necessarily tanking or anything, but they're just kind of retooling and trying to find ways that they can. And I know that there's other teams, you know, You got to deal with the Bills. You got to deal with the Browns. You got to deal with the Ravens, the Colts, the Patriots, whatever team you want to say. But really, if you can't, you know, find a way to slow down the Chiefs, then you are going to have issues in the AFC. And right now, Mahomes is getting that LeBron-type treatment, really, because he's just the best player in the league, and it's not that close, really. I mean, there's great QBs, but no one, in my mind, comes close to the talent level that Mahomes brings week to
1: week. Yeah, there are very few players, I think, who can legitimately win a game on their own. You know, Maybe there's two or three defensive players, maybe like Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack. And then when it comes to quarterbacks, obviously Mahomes. Uh, Every now and then you see Russell Wilson have one of those ridiculous type games. Uh, We saw a couple of those games from Josh Allen last year. He's one of those guys who can have a four-touchdown game with two in the air, two on the ground. Uh, He makes a very big, significant difference. I think the comparison to him, and I've always said this, he reminds me a lot of Cam Newton early in his career where if Cam Newton was on the field, you know, the Panthers were just an absolute handful. And, you know, how are you going to stop Cam Newton? Because not only can he beat you 50 yards down the field, but he could beat you 50 yards on the ground too. You know, it's very rare to have that type of, uh, you know, player in your your arsenal. Uh, and I want to give mention here because I know Nick always talks about this when we do our show here on Landry. Um Justin Herbert, I think, could be that type of player too. You know, I don't want to, you know, kind of. We, we, we talk about you got to beat the Chiefs. You got to beat the Chiefs. You got to beat the Chiefs. I think the Chargers have done a really, really great job in this offseason. I think they've had a tremendous draft. And they I think played the Chiefs got well got, last year. I think they got exactly what they needed for their quarterback. Uh, Herbert was keeping that team in games last year. And if other things ended up panning out for them, you could very easily have given the Chargers two, three, four more wins. So they were probably thinking the same thing that we were. Uh, so uh, we give all this praise to somebody like Josh Allen, who I think is on the up and up. But I think Justin Herbert, too, has the opportunity to take a monumental step forward. And when I say monumental, I mean like what we that saw from Mark Jackson, what, we, what we're seeing from Josh Allen.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I think all these AFC teams that just drafted a QB. And I mean, really just most of the guys that drafted a QB this year in full are hoping for similar results. Trey Lance has a monster ceiling. Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence have great arms as well. So really the expectation for the QB play is high. But I want to ask you guys, you know, for the Buffalo Bills themselves, because we're trying to circle back just the AFC East. Do you think that with this stronger division, we could see some regression in terms of regular season success. As you know, the dolphins are in another year under two the Patriots have retooled. The jets are hopefully going to be a very competitive team under Sala. Do you think that we could see maybe a less dominant regular season result despite maybe the bills being a better team in full?
1: I would say uh, it, it's hard. Put it this way we saw the NFC West last year. Um, you could have very easily asked this question about that division go going into last year. And and you kind of saw there was one team that kind of brought up the rear and that was the 49ers because they dealt with a lot of injuries and and stuff regarding that. Um, I think it's going to be hard for the AFC East to pump out the one seed, you know, simply because I think the, the, the talent level, uh, the coaching change for the jets. I think it's a significant difference. Uh, before Nick hopped on Nick, I, I told, um, Mike before then that the, the coaching in this division, you can very easily say one to four. The depth is among the best in the NFL now. So, um, I do think that they're going to beat up on each other a little bit, but I, I can see three, nine plus win teams. I can very easily see the bills getting to 12 wins I can see the Dolphins and the Patriots getting to nine or 10 wins. Like I said, I can see at least three playoff teams. I think it's going to be really ridiculously hard for anybody to get four playoff teams in. Um, I think three playoff teams for the AFC is certainly possible. Uh, I think they're on, I definitely do think that they're on their way up. I, I think while they will probably beat up on each other a little bit, uh, I don't think that's going to necessarily be the case. So
2: I think the Bills are still, maybe they, you know, win a game less maybe they they lose a game more because of the extra game but uh you know as, it's crucial for them not to get the three seed assuming we're gonna say the chiefs get the one seed because then they then they you know don't, they, they don't want to play that until the championship game so that's okay but uh you know I I don't believe in Tua so I don't think the Dolphins are a the real threat uh, I don't believe in Cam Newton at all I think. You know he he's gonna be up and down. We might see Mac Jones, but the Patriots' defense is a lot better. Everyone's back. They stacked up, and the two tight end set is gonna be huge. Uh, as for the Jets, they're the worst team in the division. Uh, maybe they double their win total from last year, perhaps triple it, get up to like five, four or five. But I don't think they're gonna be much of an issue for any of the team in that division. So the, everyone's gonna beat up on the Jets still, uh, but Patriots are gonna be tougher. And it really comes down to Tua. Is he going to be healthy and can he be consistent?
0: Yeah, and I think that's the next transition for what we're going to talk about, the Miami Dolphins. Flores has done a wonderful job building up this defense, really turning around a lot of play that maybe wasn't expected. That first year there were some issues, and then that next year he got a few of his guys, got a few of these players under his new scheme, really familiar with it, and they took a huge stride. Now in year three of the Flores Regime, You know, I think we could see some great strides. I think Tua has now gotten a little underrated because he was a rookie. You know, he's definitely still dealing with some injuries, still has to adjust to the NFL level. I think that there's plenty of potential for the Dolphins here, but the big question mark is still what is Tua going to do in year two? What are your guys' expectations for Tua Tagovailoa and what the Dolphins will do in year three under Brian Flores? I think the defense is
2: going to be tremendous again. It's going to win him a few games, but Tua, I just, I don't know. It's a real, it's really a big unknown. He had some good flashes last year. He also had some games where he got benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick. So you know, I think realistic expectations for Tua is hopefully he plays uh 17 games. I think, If you're a Dolphins fan, that's really all you can ask for, and then you got to just hope that his talent uh, falls into place there. Uh, You can't go out there and say, "Oh, I'm hoping Tua throws," you know, thirty-nine touchdowns, three interceptions. That's asking a little too much, I think, for a quarterback going into his first full season as a starting quarterback.
1: Yeah, when I look at Miami, I think when when we talk about his development. He's he's a guy I can't see breaking that cusp of of really like the upper echelon of quarterbacks simply because I think the injury that he sustained in college is always going to in hit like limit him in, in some way. Uh, but when you look at Tua, I definitely do think he has like the brain power to be an elite game manager, and I personally think Brian Flores is one of the best coaches in the NFL. Uh, what I saw from him in his first year when he took a team that most people thought would win maybe one game at best. And he got five wins out of them, uh, especially with having Ryan Fitzpatrick in the fold. Uh, to me, I just think simply there are very few coaches in the NFL who get a ridiculous amount of more from less. And he's one of them. So hey, we
2: Belichick in, and judge. And they all came from Belichick. What a that's choice. right.
1: Uh, that Belichick tree, the first 10 to 15 years or so really wasn't pumping out and producing uh, NFL quality right. head coaches, but it seems like the last. Uh, yeah, you know, sometimes what you got to do is
2: you got to you got to take the tree branch or root and transplant it to some new soil, and right. that's what that's what's <laughs> happening. You know, it didn't work with O'Brien, it, it didn't work with uh, Wise or Cornell, uh, but it looks like Flores and Judge it might might work out with these guys.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely think they have looked really good so far. I think the Giants are primed for a year or two jump. Uh, but back to Miami, uh, he gets, there's nobody I think who gets more with less. I think he's spectacular doing that. Uh, they improved, they took a receiver in the draft. They gave him some, a weapon to work with. So the, the hope I think is that Tua can be an elite game manager. And when we say elite game manager, guy who doesn't turn the football over consistently gets 200, 250 yards. Um. Uh, I think he can be that. I definitely think he can be that. They are a very pesky team. They play up to competition as opposed to playing down to competition. And I think that's something that will always translate. So again, it's like Nick said, the question is, can he stay healthy for 17 games? Not 16, because I've made that mistake a couple of times already. Um, Can he stay healthy for the 17 games? That remains to be seen. Is he going to come out of the gates and he's going to be healthy the first four, three, four weeks of the season? They start off well, two and one, three and one, and then, you know, maybe he gets hurt. Right. And, and, and then from there, uh, I think it's, it's going to be a, a tough question for them to ask, but if he can stay on the field and he can be just a really good game manager, I think he's got the potential to be an elite game manager, but if he's good at that, then the dolphins, I think will definitely hit at least that nine win Mark, which I think you need to be 9 and 8 to at least have to be in a conversation for those 6 or 7 seeds. They can hit that, which I think they can. I think they could get to 10 and 7 or maybe 11 and 6 under the right circumstances. You know, if, the, if, it, if things kind of break right for them, uh, then I could definitely see it.
0: Yeah, and I think the big thing for year 2 of 2 is making sure that this offense opens up. A lot of the game plans that happened in his rookie year were kind of limited in terms of what they asked him to do and in terms of production went down. And I think we've seen a lot of these rookie QBs when they get this open offense, they actually seem to do a little bit better because it's more of a free style type of play. And while Tua maybe doesn't offer the same physical talent that maybe Herbert does or some other QBs that have succeeded in year one, I do think that he does have the talent and you know, opening up that offense is absolutely huge. If you're having him throw those little two-yard dump-offs all game, the defense is going to pick up on it. He's going to be limited in what he's doing. And then the you know, overall production is just going to be stalled entirely. So opening up that offense, hopefully he develops a little bit on his own, gets a little bit healthier, a little bit.
1: You can also say the same thing about Will Fuller. Will Fuller is a guy who's always hurt, but uh, I think Jalen Waddle will open up a lot of things for them. If Waddle and Fuller can stay healthy and if Tua can stay healthy, that's as good of a trio as you have in this division. You know what I mean? I mean, having Allen and Diggs. uh, I mean, that's pretty hard to replicate, but uh, those three pieces together, I think gives Miami something that they simply have not had in a while.
0: And for the last team that we're going to be talking about in this AFC East preview, the team that Miami will face off in, in week one, the New England Patriots, you know, a lot of people are not sleeping on Bill at all because he finally got this off season to go and get as many pieces as he wanted. He got a rookie QB in the first round. He's added some wide receiver talent. He's added some extra pieces to the defense. What are the expectations for you guys when it comes to the Patriots? And, you know, what is the ceiling for what you guys think Bill could do with this year of, you know, probably probably a little bit of QB controversy, but overall this roster is definitely talented enough to be legit. What do you guys have as expectations? And just overall, what would you want to see as a Patriots standard for – well, I think
2: my personal expectations are probably nine and eight. I think they're a nine and eight team. Um, the ceiling is AFC East champions. Uh, don't doubt about Belichick. And I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender, but I could certainly see them winning a wild card round game. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what we're seeing with Cam Newton here. Uh, they gotta, you got to try to keep him healthy, of course. But Uh, You know, my question for you, Michael, is uh, how many weeks does it take before we see a quarterback change?
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting for sure. I think, you know, Cam could very well come out and have a lot better season and contain or sustain that success that we see, you know, early last year. He started out very well and then things started to fall apart kind of after he got COVID. So maybe if he has the success early and continues to build on it, we could see all year where Cam Newton's the starter and Mac Jones doesn't touch the field, but you know, is that going to happen? There's still some passing issues out of Cam Newton that happened consistently last year, you know, too many mid range passes and short range passes that just drove straight to the dirt, too many interceptions, turnovers, fumbles, whatever. And that's going to be the big question more. Can he keep the ball? Can he limit his turnovers? Because, you know, while he didn't throw for a lot of touchdowns, he still put up 20 touchdowns throughout the course of the season, which is productive enough, especially with what I expect to be a very impressive run game with Damian Harris, Sonny Michelle, Ramondre Stevenson. I think they're going to try to run the ball a lot, try to keep this simple. But at the same time, if Cam Newton can, A, contribute in the run game, and, B, you know, just limit his turnovers, then he could contain a large lead on this starting job and really Mac Jones just kind of sits for the year, despite maybe being one of the more perceived pro ready prospects in this class.
1: As somebody who has appreciated the talent level of Cam Newton through the years, uh, I'm going to put this on record right now. I think the Patriots should start Mac Jones in week one. I I think, uh, I think Cam played a couple of really nice games last year. He looked good kind of early in the season, as the season progressed, you saw a lot of the issues that people who, you know, work in the NFL, talent evaluators, the questions uh, that they had about him uh, that kind of steered them away from from signing him. I think Belichick did the best he could under the circumstances last year. I think they needed somebody like him, kind of just like a, a guy who's been in the NFL for a couple of seasons uh, to kind of just take over. It wasn't really a situation that was built – for a rookie quarterback or build for somebody like Jared who like they had on the roster. Uh, this situation going into this season is a whole lot better. They got everybody back who did not play last year. They're much healthier. Uh, they went out in the off season. They loaded up at tight end. So you're going to see a lot of what they used to do with Gronk. Uh, they're going to bring that back to the table on offense. You took Mac Jones 15, right? You waited. Um, he could have went higher, I think, but they waited. They ended up getting their guy. Uh, the Saban Belichick connection strikes again. It's it's something that's you know one of one of those you know, timeless things in the NFL. The, the the connection that they have and the the players that Bill likes to poach, uh, and he also likes to poach Rutgers guys too. And now that Seattle's back, you're going to see a lot more Rutgers guys going to the Absolutely. Patriots in the, in the upcoming years. But you took Mac Jones, right? There are a lot of questions. Was Mac Jones going three? He didn't. He ended up falling to 15. For Belichick to take this guy at 15, he's got to really, really truthfully believe in his talent because Belichick's not a guy who takes quarterbacks in the first round. So if you really believe in him that much, then I think you got to start him week one. And I do think the week one starter will be Cam Newton, but I think Mac Jones will end up being under center by the time late september early october rolls around yeah so if it was up to me i would start jones week one
0: yeah i think the big game that a lot of people are kind of eyeing as will it be mac jones will it be cam newton is the patriots game against the tampa bay buccaneers and that's week four so it's really going to come down to what happens i think personally that could be the last game that cam starts and then after that game you know the schedule kind of opens up they have A game against the Texans, a game against the Cowboys, a game against the Jets, a game against the Chargers. And while these teams aren't sluggish or terrible on defense, I think that is where the opportunity kind of lightens up for rookie QB to kind of step in and find success. So I think those first four games, let Cam Newton start, see what he has to offer. If he does well, great. You know, Cam can keep the job for as long as he does well. But I do think that we will see Mac Jones. If I were, you know, predicting on when that would happen, it'd probably be after week four, probably as soon as that week five game
1: and I said tight ends before and I want to clarify this uh they signed Hunter Henry in the offseason hasn't been able to stay as healthy with the Chargers as he probably should have been but we we saw it happen with Gronk for for years and years and years and one of those uh cliches that you always hear in NFL circles is oh the tight end is the rookie quarterback's best friend right well uh I think you might see that happen this year and If Hunter Henry can stay
2: healthy. It's all about the game, Joe.
1: He is very good. He is, I think he has so much talent and potential that simply hasn't been tapped into yet. And I think he's in the right system with the right coach, with the right guys around him to get the most out of him. If he can stay healthy, I think he's a true difference maker. If he stays healthy and this Patriots team stays healthy, I definitely think they will finish at least second in division, if not win division entirely, like Nick said before. But um, but yeah, we'll see. I think if Cam does start the season, I think he gets a remarkably short leash. I think if he's inconsistent the first two to three weeks out of the gate, you're going to see Belichick go to the rookie immediately.
0: I think it's certainly something that we'll have to wait and see, but wait and see is all we can do. That's all we got for you on today's episode of Destination Draft Day. We hope you enjoyed the AFC East preview. We'll see you guys on Friday when we talk about the AFC North. Take care.